welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 46, Episode 18 of SNL with host Elon Musk and musical guest Miley Cyrus. I'm Catherine Coleman, and this week the gang is back together. John Murray just can't quit you, and Steve Finn is here to promote his new gig as a Ministry of Truth propagandist. If you have any questions about all that, you can connect with us at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy these selected highlights from this week's discussion. If you'd like to watch our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, you can find it exclusively on Patreon and Subscribestar slash snlpodcast. It's our supporters that make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. We're back for the final three mm-hmm. shows of the season. And guys, it's just so nice to see both of your beautiful, both of your faces today. And uh, how are you doing? It is great to see yours. And I wish you a happy Mother's Day. I know you're uh, a wonderful, devoted mother to many an animal. And, <laughs> and, they, and they applaud you for, for your services, as do we. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you. I appreciate that. Look, I know I sometimes say or post strange things, but that's just how my brain works. To anyone I've offended, I just want to say, I reinvented electric cars and I'm sending people to Mars in a rocket ship. <laughs> Did you think I was also going to be a chill, normal dude? <laughs> and the monologue, everyone who wasn't watching their Dogecoin, desperately hoping for it to skyrocket, got their first look at Elon's comedic abilities. Steve? Wait, how'd you feel about the monologue? Yeah, well, I was uh, trying not to watch my doge plummet. <laughs> um, I was surprised because I feel this went as well as it could. Could a monologue go better? Yes, but you have to be capable <laughs> of doing better than this. As a guy who just does like math all day and dreams up, <laughs> is that crazy what you think he does stuff, all day? I don't know what he does all day. So he smokes weed on podcasts. We all know what he does all day. <laughs> yep. uh, well, like as soon as he came out, I was like, okay, this guy is at least good at taking direction because like almost mechanically walks out, stands on his exact spot on the <laughs> stage and doesn't move it. Like he's like locked to that floor. So he seems, uh, he seems like he can at least with his, the way his mind works, he can just be told like blocking and uh, where to stand. It, it gave me hope that like he could get through the episode. Uh, as for the stuff, there were some really great moments, you know, bringing his mother out. Uh, that was funny to me because earlier that day I gave my mother about 250 Dogecoin. So uh, <laughs> it wasn't her Mother's Day present. It wasn't that bad. I got her a nice aroma diffuser today, uh, but we had a laugh at that. I um after the monologue, I said, I'm pleasantly surprised so far. Um, like I said before. It wasn't a high bar. Uh, <laughs> I did. I expected him to be very, very bad, and he was okay. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, it exceeded my expectation, and I thought he he did a pretty solid job. He showed me that he he came out. He was game to laugh at himself, which I wasn't sure if he was going to be. Um, and and you know, and they were comfortable writing this monologue for him that did poke those jokes and had a little fun with his persona. Uh, you know, specifically the part about Twitter was really good, and yeah, so. You know he he's got he's got some interesting mannerisms. 
you know, his his uh, delivery's a little stilted, but overall, I think he got through it pretty well. And I, like I said, I I was pleasantly surprised, and I started to think, all right, we got that. Let's let's see how you can act now. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll get into that. But yeah, I think this monologue was far better than anything I expected. John, yeah, same. What are your thoughts? It was better than I expected, and I think it was smarter than I was anticipating yes. as well. I think whether it was totally intentional or not, they were able to clear out so much potential baggage that could have dragged the show down or just made things awkward or uncomfortable for people later in the show in how they set all this up and and the topics that they set them off on. Um, say what you will about talking about maybe your uh, syndromes or conditions and, and uh, maybe using that for sympathy. I don't think that he specifically was, but that's something that not a lot of people necessarily know about Elon Musk. They, they just know him as the figurehead of all these companies and, and maybe a, you know, a, a polarizing uh, arch villain of some sort, but yeah, I had no idea. But when you contextualize that and um, just remind people that he's, he's a person too. And, you know, we all have things like that, that um, should give people pause and, and make them, you know, question whether they're judging too harshly or whatever. And um, that I, I think was a surprising maneuver that I think was really disarming because <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird to say, but you're not allowed to hate a person that has a condition like that in a way like there you, you, I, and I I'm treading lightly here, but, but honestly, like it's so much easier to be compassionate and, and give someone the benefit of the doubt when you understand that they have a struggle of some sort. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone that was tuning in to hate watch Elon was expecting to have their virtue challenged in that regard. You know, like how do I, keep reminding myself that I'm a good person. If knowing this new fact about Elon, I'm still going to sit here and hate on him. Now, to be fair to the people who came into it, anti Elon, mm-hmm. the re- the revelation, if, if it was that of his diagnosis, it, it allows you to, uh, you, you cut him a little slack on any sort of social awkwardness he has. But I mean, I think there are, those people also have some other very legitimate complaints about him sure. that don't relate to that. And they can still feel bad about him. Like that doesn't excuse sure, some yeah. of those things, you know? Sure. But when you're watching his performance later in the show, right. You are certainly looking at it with different eyes yes, yes. than if, mm-hmm. you know, if it's just him, this mastermind villain who's just uh, so eccentric, you know, that, uh, he, you know, they're, they're, when you're eccentric and there's nothing qualifying why you're eccentric, it seems like superiority. Like you're aloof, because you don't want to mm-hmm. be at the same level as the people you consider below you. Like there's, there's just that idea that you're doing it to separate yourself and elevate yourself. And there's something arrogant about the eccentricity or the aloofness with this context, all that gets washed away for, mm-hmm. for anyone that isn't just so staunchly anti Elon that they're going to, you know, they've, they've made up their mind a hundred percent. Um, So it was just interesting. I just was not expecting that curve. Cause I don't, from what I saw on Twitter, like, I, as soon as they announced this, I thought, okay, well, I need to bone up on this guy. I need to, you know, I, I got to have the lay of the land. I got to know what I'm talking about when it comes to Elon Musk. Nowhere in anything that I came across uh, from people's um, hot takes on, on the booking, did anyone mention Asperger? So this, this, I think, must have been impactful for a lot of the audience. Mm. Yeah. All right. 
Our first pre-tape is a look at how we are all somehow having the exact same post-quarantine conversations. Uh, this one rang alarmingly true for me. So, <laughs> Steve, how'd you feel about it? Oh, yeah. Rigs, it, I think it rang true for the majority of, of all living beings that watch this. And uh, I, I like the approach that they took because we've seen very similar ideas, uh, you know, made manifest on the show. And what I liked about this one is that they kind of went inside their heads and showed the inner dialogue. You know, it's not just about the awkwardness of the uh, the exchange itself, but like the inner panic and the uncertainty that people have trying to like remember how to do all this. <laughs> so it was great for that. John, it looks like you have a thought. Uh, nothing brilliant, but I, I also connected with it just in that I've been noticing over the last couple months that I have forgotten how to engage adults in conversation. Like I realized that I've started almost talking to like everyone, regardless of age, kind of how I talk to my kids. And it's just weird. And I mean, it's just, it's a product of, okay, well, these are the only people I'm interacting with on a daily basis. So it does it in subtle ways that you don't realize until things just start to feel really awkward and weird um, that there has been something about this pandemic that changes um just the the muscle memory that we have for social interaction where certain things wouldn't phase us like you just know how to roll into a conversation and you know be be clever and charming and 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 do small talk and and all of that just feels so natural because it's something you do every day whether you realize it or not so just through osmosis you 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 have that competency and i can feel that i've lost <laughs> that and i i can feel how anxious sometimes i am when i realize I have to think about the words, you know, I'm, I can't just casually speak the way that I could in some situations. And, uh, there's some truth to that. So it, it's great that everyone's sort of feeling that it's nice to know that I'm not alone in, in feeling like that I've regressed <laughs> as a human being this last year. Um, but it, they, they were tapping into something true. I don't think that they went as far with it as they could have. I think that this was uh, a fun observation of a sketch, but I feel like they very quickly ran out of fun scenarios to really drive it home or take it into really fun places. So yeah. uh, as an observation and, and as something that spoke to me, I thought that that was great, but as a fully realized and just like end to end unqualified win, I, I feel like this didn't quite get as far as I would have liked the topic to go. Yeah. I, um, I really, really liked this one. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty fun start to finish. Uh, some really good performances. I thought this was particularly suited well for Elon to mm -hmm. get a, a few lines that, you know, to, Act, but most of them were voiceovered, which gives you a little bit more flexibility, right? Right. Um, but <laughs> Take yeah, the, two, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what this says about me, but <laughs> coming out there's going to be a lot of that this episode. There's right? going to be a lot of soul searching throughout the show. <laughs> coming out of quarantine, I feel no different about starting conversations, but I think it's maybe because I'm just always socially anxious. So I'm like, yeah, this is exactly how I was mm -hmm. before, too. Life is yeah. as oppressive as it's ever been. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah. John talked about regressing. I feel like just the world around me has come finally to my level <laughs> of ability to socialize. So I'm loving this. <laughs> exactly. The thing that rang very true for me is the topics of conversation. Because every conversation I've had with anyone I've seen in the past three months was, so how was quarantine? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing great. Yeah, I have a few projects. We've done some things virtually. 
I'm vaccinated now. Can we take our masks? Like they're all the exact same things. Um, and I just think that's so funny to explore. And the part that really got me was <laughs> between Elon and Heidi. And he said, so what shot did you get? And she was like, great question that leads to nowhere. And then <laughs> because it's very true. And then she said the second shot knocked her out. And he said, that's a one of a kind experience. you should share." <laughs> oh, crap. I said that out loud. Right. Yeah, Cause I mean, that's the thing. I'm like, you feel, you very genuinely feel like obligated to say, like, yeah, I got this one. I had, had a fever and like, no one really cares, but everyone says it. Everyone reports their reaction mm-hmm. to the shot. Like this is, this is the normal thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was super relatable and really fun and, um, well realized. Indeed. And that's that. Let's keep going. This mom is a grizzled veteran of taking her kids to Disneyland. And I will say that I actually saw this feature at the Don Cheadle dress rehearsal, what, a year ago? More than a year ago, because that was her, her first season. It was her first mm-hmm. season on the show. Yeah. And I believe that was the second time she tried to get it on. Um, so she's tried it a few times. And I was actually thinking earlier this week about this feature because I loved it so much when I saw it. And I was really sad that it got cut. And then, you know, through Reddit, I've seen that it's tried to come back a few more times. And I was like, man, I, I guess she probably gave up on that feature. And that, that really sucks that we'll never get to see it. Um, and then surprise of the year, she comes out with it. And I was so, so excited for everyone to get to see this because I, I really, really loved it. Um, there are so many great jokes in there, especially. I have given you my neck, my back. And as for my pushy and my crack, oh, you ripped those away from me a long time ago. That's fantastic. I think Ego is just performs this so well. She plays that on edge character flawlessly. Um, and so, yeah, I was really excited that this thing that I've experienced before, I can now share with the world. Um, so what did you guys think, John? How'd you feel? I think this is the best thing she's ever brought to the desk. Mm-hmm. I think that this was a, a high watermark for Ego. And I think this is the the time where we can start to have the conversations about where we think Ego is going to rank as far as the 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 black female players that have come through the show over the years because infamously they seem to fare very badly because it's it's hard to get things written for that particular voice and uh you know a lot of people over the years have struggled and have been vocal about how hard it is to thrive at the show um and well i think that's important i mean it's important to consider it in that lens but like i also like don't want to box her in no no but i'm just the only reason why i bring it up now is is that moments like these they start to get my gears turning and I'm saying, wait a minute, like this is among some of the best stuff that we've Mm -hmm. gotten from a black female player, like just in her voice, something that she's crafted that even she brought to the show. And that, uh, now it, even though, you know, it took her a few runs at it, you know, it's cutting through and it's really playing and it's really working and the audience is loving it. And it's just, it's one of those things that makes me go, huh? Maybe there's baby steps, but it does feel like the show just has more opportunity now and ego is such a strong performer that she can help carve that out for the next batch of players that come up behind her and i just i feel like it says something good about the trajectory of the show Mm -hmm. but beyond that meta this was fantastic and she's been performing this for so long that she knows it inside (laughs) and out so every every little exasperated look and just sigh and 
angst, all of it. She just has it dialed in so sharp. Yeah, I, I think I think Ego has been a standout of the whole season. Sure. Uh, yeah. No, cast. Absolutely. Like, I mean, big things. But like you were saying, what's interesting um, from seeing it before, a lot of the jokes were the same. Um, mm-hmm. Restructured slightly here and there. But, you know, the piece largely hasn't changed. But I could see where her performance of it had improved and changed mm-hmm. and matured a little bit. Uh, so, so I mean, it might be for the best in a way that she had a bunch of runs at it. And then this is the best version of yeah. it, you know. I, I guess we have to let Steve talk. So, <laughs> so sorry, Steve. We may have uh, stolen all the the juicy bits. What do you got? This is actually a cardboard cutout. I went to the Ego <laughs> <laughs> uh, is just such a master of of modern comedy. You know, like it's such a hard thing to do to to convey stress or or uh, any kind of feelings of you know being upset. Uh, it's hard to. It's hard to be both believable and still funny because like you have I love Lucy where Lucy, whenever she cries, it's <laughs> none of us are really like buying the fact that she's actually upset. We're kind of laughing at it. Uh, Ego, on the other hand, this this feels like true pain <laughs> and true <laughs> right. suffering. Like the acting is of, of a caliber that you would you would accept in a, in a, in a drama. Right. Uh but it's just it's just the delivery of of, of the dialogue and and the, and the just just the the specifics of of what she goes through is is where the comedy comes through. So pretty unqualified win on that one. Yeah, let's keep going. Lloyd Ostertag, the Doge Daddy, talks cryptocurrency, but like, what is it? What is it? <laughs> so Steve, um, I know you have some Doge coin. Um, so number one, what is it? And number two. Did you uh, feel spoken to by this feature? Oh, for sure. To the moon. Uh, that's that's where we all hope to go with the Dogecoin. Uh, it's great, though, right? Because you can be explained exactly what cryptocurrency is and still just not know what was <laughs> not know anything else more. Right. That's that's the the weird thing about crypto is that you have to understand a bunch of other stuff first before you can move on to understanding what crypto is all about. You know, it's like if you sucked at math and then you get into like university math, but you don't have the basis for it. So it's like really hard. That's what, that's what like trying to understand crypto as a layman is like. So I I like the fact that, you know, Elon would give all very reasonable, good answers for the, you know, the quite the same question over and over again, but yet still they feel the need to ask it because (laughs) <laughs> it just takes like learning a whole new language because the answers just sound like nonsense <laughs> right like blockchains and uh right and mining and all this stuff and <laughs> i don't it makes no sense to me like so i and don't try to explain it because a hundred people have tried to explain <laughs> it to me and i'm like what you're what does that mean you're mining like your computer is like doing like I don't this, what what is it mine? It makes no sense. It is just nonsense to me. Yeah, <laughs> so even like, that part I'm like iffy on. It's like the computers <laughs> are competing to solve problems, but what are, what are the problems that they're solving? What does that purpose does that serve? <laughs> what does you this know, I'm, mean? <laughs> I, I'm I'm fine to jump on board with okay, it has value because if you assign something value, it has value. That's how diamonds work. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. I'll jump on board with that. That's cool. Invest in it. I'm all about decentralizing things and like, let's find new ways and reinvent things. Fun. Cool. But I love that they're 
they they went into it and they had this whole bit and they committed to the bit of what is it they yeah. they could have tried to take it a step further and like kind of do more with it but i think it would have been worse like just sticking with asking him that exact same question over and over again mm-hmm. uh really committed to this bit and made it really fun and oh, yeah i was thrilled to see elon willing to laugh and say yeah it's a hustle yeah john what do you think um i like goofs that are grounded in some truth and i know that i've had that question posed to me and and it it is fun to see how it plays out and that's exactly how it plays out you can you can give three or four different attempts at running at uh, a competent answer to that question and the eyes will still be glazed over and you know you're still gonna have to backtrack and figure out how to dumb it down even further to to try and make a connection here um so yeah the the people that are in that kind of position that are attempting to uh infuse uh some sort of like uh human real world tangible notion of what bitcoin is or any crypto um that's that's a an exercise in futility and it is fun to see them put you know a little comedic spin on it. the reason why they can um, basically do that gag four or five times over is because the underlying truth doesn't get old. It doesn't get old when he takes a run at it. It doesn't register with Che. He takes another run at it. doesn't register with Che. Normally you would expect we got to change things up and surprise the audience. But the more you do it, the funnier it becomes because Mm -hmm. the truth that yeah, crypto is weird and inscrutable and you need to be the Elon Musk's of the world to, to be able to wrap your head around it. Um, I like that. I like that. And I like that Jost, as you guys already mentioned, uh, as much as he may be further down the road in his financial planning, uh, he's just as lost as Che. It doesn't matter your walk of life. It's inscrutable. Um, so yeah, fun. And the first time that we get Elon Musk kind of doing something where he has to carry it in, in the performance a little bit, right? He has mm-hmm. to come out there a little superior and a little confident and a little bit like ready to sell uh, Dogecoin and feel like he's capable of doing it, which again makes it funnier the more that he does it again with gusto and and he thinks that he's saying all the right things and it makes perfect sense to him. There's some there was a little bit of performance there still in Elon Musk territory as far as his performance abilities, but I felt it was a good showing for him and the first time he was really utilized so far in the show to good effect. Mm-hmm. So good, <laughs> very good. Um, I think yeah, it sounds like we were uh, all pleased with this one. So. Let's keep going. A Mario Universe murder trial tries to prove that Wario has been unfairly painted as evil. Um, I think this was our first sketch of the night that was uh, a little more out there, a little bit, a little bit crazier of a sketch, in my opinion. Here, so mm-hmm. uh, Steve, what do you think about it? Yeah, this was such a swell time. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it, you know. Uh, you also got to expect it a little bit, maybe not necessarily this exact sketch, but when you got a uh, a host like Elon, who you're not sure what he can pull off well, there's one thing you know you can do is, is dress him up in a silly costume, because all you got to do is exist while those clothes hang off of you, and you have a funny <laughs> visual of, oh, look, Elon Musk is dressed as Wario. You at least get a laugh for him on his behalf from doing that, right? Even if he just completely messes up everything else. So this is what we get. Apparently a a Mario sketch, I think was made brilliant by the use of sound design, taking those recognizable (laughs) sound effects from the video game and 
just uh, putting them into amazing context. You know, I don't have to remind you what they use that growing sound for. <laughs> you know, I'm sure those 12 or 13 pixels are seared into your brain. Uh, but yeah, it, stuff like that. All the all the stuff we come to recognize about Mariel and mm-hmm. and just turning it on his head and and you know explaining it away and with more adult themes. It was it was pretty brilliant. I I loved this. I thought it um it was our first you know zanier sketch. I thought I thought everything before this was pretty. I guess except maybe Uli, but it was it felt very front half of the show. Everything else does, and this feels back half of the show to me. Um, and I I really liked it. I think this is is it's clever and fun to take these little Marioisms and 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 make them more adult. Um, and I think it it's good much like i said about the gen z thing it's like these are good stakes to like put these stupid characters from like this video game where like they throw turtle shells at each other and put them like on trial for murder uh, that i think that's really fun it heightened really well so i we had we started out with you know his wiki page and then we go to like the the funny sound effects we get those we get uh jokes about mario maybe having a drug addiction uh, then the toad jury is hilarious. And then we get finally that like penis image, which is so funny. Um, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> yep. Sorry. The algorithm uh, is maybe mad at us now, but um, <laughs> yeah, I thought this was really, really good. And I really loved it until the end where I don't know why we had to take the Cuomo turn. Um, I thought that made it sort of fizzle to an end when I think we could have had, Oh no, he has a red shell and he throws it. And then like, cut to the courthouse exploding or you know something like that um i think because i think that was a good out of him having the red shell ready to throw was fun and then they just tacked on this cuomo thing for in my opinion no reason um, i think john saw it coming oh, yeah? by his live tweeting <laughs> uh i i thought that maybe they were they were trying to create some sort of a, an analogy of, mm. between you know, Mario in some social situation. I didn't peg Cuomo. I didn't think that that that, that was where they were going to go with it. But I don't think they did either. I think they realized they had a really, really fun sketch and some great costumes and no ending. And I think mm-hmm. that's how we got to where we got. Because uh, uh, again, like, like it is, it is interesting as you're watching the sketch, you begin to realize on second viewing that, oh yeah, they're hitting the Italian stereotypes pretty hard. And if it was purely a matter of let's put. Uh, Mario characters on trial, they'd be leaning more into the lore of of the Mushroom Kingdom. Like they'd be they'd be doing more mm-hmm. Mario things than just Italian things. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, I guess they realized that that was the angle they wanted to go with it. But uh, I I think if if that's what you're going to do, you need you need to have something a little smarter to end it on. So my my criticism is the same as yours, Catherine. A lot of fun. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. And then okay, what are you trying to say here at right. the end? Like it just, it didn't, it didn't make the point or it didn't feel smart when they left it because it's, it felt a little tacked on there at the end. Mm-hmm. And then we got Pete's weird pencil stash yeah, his, making his, his Cuomo stash. weird now. Yeah. <laughs> his Cuomo yeah. that I have previously enjoyed. I was like, what, what's going on with his face? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Not yeah. my Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to see our full sketch-by-sketch review, search for SNL After Party on Patreon or Subscribestar.com. Let's talk about the big ratings. Up first, moment of the night. Steve, what is it? My moments of the night would have to be uh, in uh, Murder Dirter, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Beck moment where he uh, kind of drops to his knees and screams, my dirty red and dirty were murdered. Now, that's not the moment. The moment would be uh, when he gets a hoagie and a what a, a, a some kind of beer. Some type of Pennsylvania he, beer, I guess. You'd have to be from there, I guess. But uh, the way that he uh, just drops the uh, upset act, I was like, oh, thanks, Jan, or whatever her name is. Was uh, Yeah, that was great. Very good. Mine is going to be um, Ego coming out as Disneyland mom, because that just on a personal level was exciting. Because I was like, I've seen it before. Um, and I, it's just so weird that I was thinking earlier this week about it and wishing that I could see it. And, and there it was. And I was so thrilled and so excited for it to, to make the show. And it was a really, really good feel good moment for me. John, what's your moment of the night? Cecily Strong in the Wario sketch strikes her gavel on a coin box and you get blink, blink, blink. <laughs> and you can see her just smirk a little bit because she knows how joyous that goofy <laughs> little gag is. Um, I was enjoying that sketch already because we've all played Mario. You know, we all, we all are, know exactly what we're looking at and they're finding lots of funny little things to hit on. But that was the <laughs> one that I just, I, I wasn't expecting it and it was just such a perfect use of that sound. Fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to best sketch. Steve? Pew, pew, pew. It's got to be the Mario sketch for sure. Pew, pew, pew. We just, you know, those sounds and uh, and all those, uh, all those, uh, yeah, all those little digitalized beeps and boops that we grew mm-hmm. up with. Uh, yeah, I, I was really taken back to just my red face trying to get through uh, World <laughs> 8 and Mario Brothers. And uh, this was... Uh, it was probably the funniest sketch too, but it also had like, you know, the nostalgia factor to make it my favorite. Yep. I may have some people agreeing with me. I have a feeling. Um, I was going to give it to that one, but now that you've See? said, um, <laughs> um, I am not giving it to that one though. Um, I, I wanted to, but that ending just really, yeah. really took it away from me. So while I do think it was the most creative sketch of the night and I appreciated that about it, I have to give it to a more, unqualified win in the the post-quarantine convo sketch Hmm. um i thought well that one i I don't think is really even a standout of like the season i thought it was it was really good um it did exactly what i wanted it to and and i had a lot of fun with it um i would love to give it to something maybe a little bit more creative um like the like the wario sketch but like i said like that ending just wasn't it for me so um I don't say that to say I didn't. I'm giving best sketch to something I didn't like because I did really like the post quarantine convo. Because um, that's how this all works, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that said, I, you know, nothing was like a fully super unqualified win for me. So, but that one was really good and I liked it. John? Yeah, I agree. Wario was fun, but uh, it just it didn't it didn't have a, a strong point of view there. Like it by the time you got to the end, I was scratching my head as to why Cuomo was even a factor here, what they were trying to say with it. So um, just because I, I, I I felt it, it went, you know, off track there. Uh, I can't, it's not in the running for me either, but ego as a put upon mom at Disney world is everything that I wanted from this show. It's a, it's a fun character that uh, she earned you know, as you pointed out, you know, she really had to lobby for this character and just keep putting it forward and, and fine tuning it and waiting for the right show for it to, to cut through. 
Um, and it was just a great showcase of her performance abilities at their best. And I just really, really enjoyed seeing it. And I just really liked the character. And I, I just, I thought if there is an unqualified win in anything tonight, that's it right there. Yeah. I'm a moron. That was obviously my favorite sketch. <laughs> well, well you, you can have a mulligan on that. What, what am I sitting here talking about? Like I, 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 I somehow completely overlooked it. Um, yeah. it's, it's your, it's your show. You, you paste this all back together however you want. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow myself to call myself a moron in the final edit. So yeah, do over. That's how you the, know you meet it. <laughs> best <laughs> sketch from Catherine is of course Disneyland mom. Yeah. Very Thank good. you for pointing that out, John. No worries. <laughs> All right. Up next is MVP. Steve, who is it? Aside from the cat. She's my MVP every day. Uh, I was going to give it to Beck's mom's arms, but I think Twitter is done enough damage to us uh wait what what's what's noteworthy about beck's mom's arms she's in great shape for her oh, age I, I didn't notice go look at those stunning I'll, biceps i'm I'll surprised you're ha- you have to ask me what i mean when i say beck's mom's arms I, I didn't look closely enough i guess my bad beck's mom like it's it was like david harbour all over again just <laughs> uh but anyway uh we are giving a proper MVP to uh, to Chloe because she had some great stuff. I really liked her version of uh, the murder dirter accent. And, and <laughs> you know, she got to be the one to bring in the wooter uh, pronunciation. And uh, obviously we, you know, we had some, uh, some reservations about the Icelandic sketch, but I don't think we faulted her performance. Just like the whole concept from mm-hmm. scratch was maybe, not the right fit, but yeah, for, I think that uh, goes to show that we want to see that character in another context that, you know, Chloe was doing a great job and uh, yeah, I just, I just thought she had a, a great presence in the show. So yeah. can you D de- I I'm torn. I, no one fully stood out. Like there, I don't feel like there was a whole lot of scene stealing happening. Um, I thought I thought about Heidi. Maybe Heidi was in a lot of stuff. I thought she was really good in the Gen Z sketch. She almost had like Timothy Chalamet style mannerisms going on. Um, Kate was all over the place doing a lot of really great stuff. But I think it has to go to Ego. Ego had that knockout weekend update feature um, that she owned. She's worked hard for. It was fantastic. And even though you know, she wasn't in a ton of other stuff, I think I think I think that. St- stellar performance is enough to give her the MVP. John, who is it for you? Agreed. She made the play. Uh, you can either be ever present or you can have the moment. And uh, I think Ego, she, she definitely scored big with that piece. Um, yeah, this is super easy. She's the only one that would even be in the running for me tonight. <laughs> Fair enough. Hmm. Uh, well, I feel silly. <laughs> <laughs> big ups to Ego. All right, here we go. The last one on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, Steve and the cat. How would you rate this episode? We are going to give it a decent, fully, uh, fully prepared to give a, a train wreck out to a unproven, <laughs> non-acting, <laughs> non-performing host, uh, you know, who is known to be a little bit out of touch on a good day. Uh, yeah. Pleasantly surprised, you know, uh, would have been satisfied to get a week episode out of this. And, 
yeah, for whatever awkwardness uh, that Elon brought to the show, I felt he had that Charles Barkley charm in his <laughs> bad acting. <laughs> yeah. So not a great, not a classic, but hell, to sit here and, and give the Elon Musk episode a decent is is surprising in itself. Yeah, I, I came into this fully expecting the worst and I was like, oh, am I going to have to go down to like weaker train wreck? I don't. Oh, I hope not. But I, they pulled it off. You know, the combination of Elon not being a performer, plus, you know, some of the drama leading into it where it seemed like people were not game to have him there and worrying a little bit about, you know, was was anybody really going to be giving this their best? Um, I wasn't expecting much, but we got a couple good, really good things. A lot of middle of the road stuff, a few things that I would be fine to not look at again. Um, and I think that adds up to decent. We had, um, great musical guests, solid update, and the sketch fair was fine. So it is what it is. I'm pleasantly surprised and I'm happy to give this a decent, uh, because <laughs> I, I was braced for it to be real, real unwatchable. <laughs> real, real unwatchable. <laughs> John, where, where you landed? Um, for me, the, ultimately this was going to come down to, whether I embraced Elon Musk as the host and could feel any kind of joy going down this ride that is SNL with him. And the fact that he won me over in the monologue, I think was the make or break moment that pulled this out of weak territory. Because I think if you step back and look at the show as a whole, the, the one thing that it screams to me is the writers or the show at large I don't think they got as creative with Musk as they could have. I think there was a lot of obvious safe things that they veered towards just because they didn't want to test those waters and come up short and realize he couldn't carry it or whatever. Like, so I feel that there was apprehension or just that thing of, I'm not enthusiastic about this show. And as much as maybe you just try to be at your best, your heart's not in it. And so I feel like there was a lot of stuff that didn't, really capitalize on the opportunity here as well as it should have. And that to me is what could have pulled this down into weak territory. But the fact that I was enjoying watching Musk in, in all of his super awkward, you know, way, I, I enjoyed, um, projecting onto him, uh, thinking of myself, maybe someone who, if I ever had an opportunity to, to do a, a show as big as SNL, uh, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact that I wouldn't be bringing a lot of performance ability or game to it. <laughs> and to watch him just find the joy in knowing I'm not a comedian, but I'm just going to do this. Damn it. Like I'm just, I'm just going to throw myself into it. I feel like if there was a way for the show to know that that was the attitude he was coming with, maybe the writers would have dug a little deeper and this could have gotten into better territory, but I do think it gets over the line into decent. All right. So across the board, decent. Yeah. We all said decent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, pulled it off. They, they pulled it off. We, no one expected it. Literally. No, <laughs> not a single person in the world. Um, but yeah, pleasantly surprised. Uh, ha happy to see, uh, that it wasn't the worst episode I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I praise. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. Um, I'm, I'm glad we were all pleasantly surprised and we had fun with this. And I think we've got two very, very good episodes coming up. And I can't wait to be back next week. 
But for now, that's a wrap. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow. and Your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Keegan-Michael Key and musical guest Olivia Rodrigo. But until then, this has been episode number 136 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) 